Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Hebrews 6.11, right there in your outline. Look at what it says. This has been the verse of our series. It says, we wish that each of you would be what? Eager. Eager. Enthusiastic, right? To show, enthusiastic to what? To show how strong and lasting your hope really is. See, the biggest problem is not that we don't have hope, but that our hope is not strong and it's not lasting. And if you got hope, let me tell you, in order to reach your goals, in order to reach those things that that you are believing God for, in order to reach the dreams that God has given you, you're going to need enthusiasm in your life. Enthusiasm is going to make a difference in your life because enthusiasm, as we've learned in the past weeks, enthusiasm is the spirit of God in me. It is the spirit of God giving me strength, giving me courage. And when the spirit of God is in you, let me tell you something. You're not going to give up easily. You're not going to find excuses easily. You're going to get new strength. You're going to see your hope as big and as real as the air that you're breathing and when you have the spirit of God in you you will accomplish those things that God says he wants to do in you because it's the spirit of God working in you now if enthusiasm is important the key to increasing your enthusiasm, if enthusiasm is the spirit of God in me and enthusiasm is the key to, to my hope, to my dreams, to my goals, then the key to increasing your enthusiasm lies in strengthening your relationship with God. If I need enthusiasm to reach my goals and enthusiasm is the spirit of God within me, then I need to strengthen my relationship with God. And that's what we're talking about this series. Strengthening your relationship with God requires that you apply the principle that will transform your life. And that is the principle of first. That is the principle of making, of putting God first. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. You you, you should memorize this verse. But seek what? First. Not when you can. Not when it's convenient, not when it's not raining, not when, when things are going well, not when things are not going well. No, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And what are all these things? Well, Jesus in that passage is talking about, about not worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, about not worrying about those things. He says, listen, when you put God first, God is going to supply those things. And that's where we find the central truth for this series. And this is what I'm really trying to teach you. And they're going to put it up here. And I hope you write it down somewhere. Here's the central truth to this uh, series. If you put God first, everything else will align. 
If you put God first, everything else in your life will align. If God is first in your life, everything else will be in order. If God is not first, everything will be out of order. Your personal life will be out of order. Your relationships will be out of order. Your finances will be out of order. Your thoughts, your emotions, your attitude, your behavior will be out of order. And and when things are out of order, life is joyless. Life is a drag. Life is difficult. But when you put God first, God says, listen, you took care of the one thing that matters. I'm going to help you, and I'm going to take care of the rest of the things. Now, here's something that you have to know, and you're smart people. To put implies action. Everybody has this mental and vocal uh, list of priorities where you kind of line up what matters, and everybody, or mostly everybody that comes to church would say, oh, in my life, God is first. All right, that's good. What about in your calendar? What about in your finances? What about in your thoughts? What about in your behaviors? God first. See, because to put God first implies that we decide if God is first or not. Now, the question becomes, well, if I want to put God first, because if I put God first, then enthusiasm, the spirit of God within me is strengthened. And when enthusiasm is strengthened, I can reach my hope. I can reach my goals. The question becomes now, how do I put God first? And that's what we're doing in this series. We're looking at habits. We're looking at spiritual habits Things that we can practice, not just believe, but practice. Things that we can do that will help us put God first in our, in our life. Because here's the thing about habits. Habits are strategic. Desires are not strategic. You've desired to do certain things and you haven't reached them because desires are not strategic. Good intentions are not strategic. Habits are strategic, and when a strategy is in place, that will help you achieve what you want to achieve. So we've looked at two habits. The first habit is the habit of fasting. And we said that when we fast, God will reward us. Jesus said, when you fast in secret, your father will see it and he will reward you. Then we also looked at the second habit, which is prayer. And prayer changes us prayer changes situations because prayer unleashes the power of God in our lives and today I want to talk to you about the third habit to help you put God first and the third habit is tithing and just in case you don't know what tithing is tithing is giving God back 10% of what he gives you now notice What I wrote, giving God, okay? How do you give God? Well, we're going to look at that. Giving God what? Back. 10% of what he gives you. Oh, boy, it's quiet in here. I can almost hear myself breathe. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Pastor, does tithing really help me put God first in my life? Does it really? Or do you just want the church to have more resources? 
Pastor, does, does tithing really reflect God is first in my life? Or do you just want the church to have more funds? I'll answer those questions. You ready? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. Look at this verse. Look, look at Deuteronomy 14.23. The purpose of tithing is to what? Teach, Teach you always to what? Put God first in your lives. And we're going to look at how giving to God helps us put God first in our lives. So yes, tithing does, does help you put God first in your life. And tithing also helps God's house have the resources that it needs. And yes, I'm not going to deceive you and I'm not going to lie to you. I want Dayspring to have resources so that we can become the best church we can. I want Dayspring to have resources so that we can get a youth pastor full time. So that we can get a kids ministry pastor full time. So that we can get a worship pastor full time. So that our church can become better than it is. I can't do that if I don't have the resources. I can't tell Anthony and Jenny, well, you know, you guys got to give up your, your jobs and, and come focus on the church and uh, we'll pray for you every Sunday. We'll give you a lot of hugs and we'll give you a lot of blessings. Ah, they're going to need a roof to live. They're going to need gas money. They're going to need something to eat. So, yeah, I, in fact, and this is not something that, that I'm making up. Look at what the Bible says in Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there will be enough food where? In my temple. So that there would be enough food in my temple. I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? I don't know if I'm going to have time to talk about this, but I'm going to tell you a secret. When you take care of God's house, he will take care of your house. When you take care of God's house, he will take care of your house. I have yet to see a Christian who tithes who isn't blessed more than he should be. They always do better than they should be. My wife and I, we look at our giving report. We look at our giving. We look at, our, at what we're able to do and we say, this doesn't make sense. What we earn and what we're able to do doesn't make sense. It doesn't match. And the only reason it makes sense is because God is in the midst. Tithing is a spiritual habit that unleashes God's blessing, both into your life and into the life of the church. And today we got many individuals, we got many Christians who are suffering, who their finances are out of order. We have a lot of churches who are suffering because Christians are not practicing the habit of giving God what belongs to him. And let me tell you something. When you put God first in your finances, he will bless you beyond money. Amen. He will bless you beyond. It will include a financial blessing. But he will bless you beyond money. Your tires will last longer. Your fridge won't break down. You won't get as sick. You won't have as much accidents. Because God's blessing will be upon you. And when you put God first in your finances, he blesses you, not just financially, but he blesses you beyond money. Amen. So question, 
Do you want to experience this kind of blessing? Do you want your life, your home, your business to have God's blessing, to have God's favor? Do you want your church, do you want Dayspring to be blessed and prosperous and to be full of resources? Well, let me show you how we can do that. Number one, to experience this blessing, the first thing you got to do, and you can fill this out in your outlines, is agree with God that what is first is God's. Agree with God that what is first is God's. Look at what Exodus 13, 1 and 2 say right there in your outline. Then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every what? Firstborn. Firstborn. The first thing. The first thing that of everything that is birthed, of everything that grows, is mine. He says, dedicate to me every firstborn amongst the Israelites. The firstborn, the first offspring to be born of both, listen to this, human and animals, what? Belongs to me. God says, everything that is first belongs to me. It's mine. And then look at what he says in verse 12 of that same passage, Exodus 13, 12. He says, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they what? They belong to me. Now, let me tell you something. I said this on Wednesday. When you're reading the Bible and you find God repeating himself, God is not crazy. God repeats himself so that you can know that he means business. When God repeats something, he means business. Here's the way I illustrated it on Wednesday. For those of you that got a Hispanic mom, or maybe all moms do this, but I've seen Hispanic moms do this mainly. Um, if you got two names, if you got a first name and a second name, when they call you by your first name, you know they need something, right? And I'm like, Nestor! Okay, my mom probably needs me to throw the trash. She probably got a question. But when she calls you by your middle name, it means business. It means something serious is going on. Orlando! And they even say it with a different tone of voice, right? It's like, Nestor! Orlando! Suddenly, like the voice of God comes upon them, right? Well, when God repeats himself, he means business. And if you want to experience God's blessing, the first thing you got to do is agree with God that everything that is first belongs to him. Can I tell you something without offending you? Some of you are wearing stolen clothes. And you're driving stolen cars. And you're eating stolen food. And you're living in stolen houses. Pastor, that's a really big accusation. I'm not the one making it. God is. He, he says, should men rob God? And he says, you have robbed me with your tithes. In other words, he says, you have taken for you what belongs to me. And the first thing, if you want God's blessing... The first thing you got to do is agree with God that what is first is God's. Here's the second thing that you need to do to experience blessing. Second, and fill this out in your outlines, you got to give to God what is first and the rest will be blessed. When you give God what is first, the rest will be blessed. Okay, look at Exodus 13. Now, this is a little... 
I'm going to have to explain this verse, okay? But, but this, is, this is awesome. Look, look at this. Look at what it says. A firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. In other words, what God's saying here, the first donkey, every first donkey is, belongs to me. But you can get it back if you bring a lamb or a young goat. Look at what he says. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. In other words, you must sacrifice it. And in case you're thinking this is a little too raw, well, we're looking at the Old Testament, right? However, you must buy back every firstborn son. In other words, what God is saying here, he says, every firstborn belongs to me. But every human firstborn, you must buy back. Because God knows some of you parents. You would have said, no, I don't want that one. Let me try for another one. And God is saying, no, no, you got to buy the humans back. But the animals, the firstborn animals, certain firstborn animals can be bought back. Now, what is God trying to say with this? Well, in order to understand this odd commandment, this odd um, order, we need to understand the text. There's two animals. There's a couple animals that are mentioned here, but I'm going to focus on two. The donkey and, and the lamb. The donkey represents all the impure animals. The donkey represents those animals that God said, these animals are impure. The lamb represents the animals that are pure. And what God is saying here, he's saying, you can redeem the impure with the pure. You can take that which is impure and you can make it pure by redeeming it, by sacrificing something that is pure. And just in case you think this is weird, this is exactly what Christ did. Christ is known as the Lamb of God. And he was pure and he was innocent and he was free of sin. And he died so that you and I could be redeemed and we could have a relationship and be restored back to God. So when you give God what is first, then the rest is blessed. This principle really unleashes God's tremendous blessing in our life. When we say, God, I'm going to agree with you that everything that is first belongs to you because when I give what is first, the rest will be blessed. Third thing, to experience this blessing, you have to activate your faith by offering God the first. To experience this blessing, you have to activate. You agree with God. You give God. And in order to give, you got to have faith. See, look at what Revelations tells us right there. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the king of the earth, to him... Who loves us and has what? Freed us from our sin by what? By his blood. So we've just saw that, 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 the, that, that things can be redeemed with, with something pure. And, and God has decreed that when we give him the 10%, when we give him what's first, the rest is blessed. Now, here's the thing. Let me tell you something. Did you know? That only 2.5, that the average Christian, the average Christian, the average 
churchgoer gives only 2.5% to God, the average Christian doesn't tithe. The average Christian gives 2.5%. Can I tell you why? One big reason is because to give requires faith. You will not give unless you really believe God. And to give requires faith. For some of you, one of the things, if you want to get closer to God, if you want to grow in your spiritual walk, if you want to grow in your spiritual maturity, one of the things you got to do is you got to start giving. Because it requires faith. It tests your faith. Pastor, how is it that it tests our faith? Well, when God says, hey, Lorena, I know you got these two little lambs and, uh, you know, they're going to have babies. Um, and I want you to give me the first one. Every year when they have their offsprings, I want you to give me the first one. Giving God the first one requires faith because you don't know if there's going to be a second one. What if something happens? And God doesn't say, hey, once you get 10 of them, then give me the one you want. No, no, no. He says, hey. I want to be first in your life. And I, I, I want you to trust me. And I want you to depend on me. So I want you to give me what's first. And to give God what's first requires that we have faith. That we honor him. Look at what uh, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says. Look at this. Honor the Lord with what? Not just with your attendance. Not just with your praise, but also with what? With your wealth. And I know some of you guys are thinking, Pastor, does God really need my money? What does God get out of me giving? I'm going to answer that question before we're done. But, but let's keep reading. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of what? All your crops. All your crops. Look at this. Verse 10. What is the first word? Then. Then. then when you honor God. When you put God first, when you give to God, then, look at what God promises, your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with what? With new wine. Let me tell you something. It is not the money that unleashes God's blessing. God doesn't need your money. It is the, the faith behind giving your money that unleashes the blessing in your life. It is your faith that activates it. What do you think it says to God when we give to God what we don't want anymore or when we give to him out of our leftovers? What do you think it says to God when we say, well, God, you know, I know you're the king of kings and Lord of lords and you've been good to me. And I know you've forgiven me of my sins and you're preparing a home for me. But Lord, I got bills to pay. But Lord, I don't trust Pastor Nestor. But Lord, you know, I got, I got debt and I'm living paycheck to paycheck. What do you think it says to God when we give to him or when we don't give to him, when we give to him our leftovers or when we don't give to him anything at all? Can I tell you something? God doesn't want your leftovers. God doesn't deserve your leftovers. He wants what's first. Why? Because giving first requires faith. God deserves the best 
and not the first. Let me say that again. And I know you're really quiet. It's all right. I know God's speaking. God deserves what is first and what is best. Pastor, is God insecure? No. Is God just acting spoiled? I can assure you he's not. Is God just too proud to not take my whatever I can give after I've done what I want? In other words, my leftovers? No, God is not too proud. Here's the reason why. There are things God cannot accept, God cannot associate with because of who he is. Let me say that again. There are certain things that God cannot accept, that God cannot associate with because of who he is, because of his nature. Let me give you some examples. God cannot accept, God cannot associate with the unclean because he is pure. God cannot accept, God cannot associate with sin because he is holy. God cannot accept, God cannot associate with lies because he is the truth. And God cannot accept what is second, what is third, what is fourth because he's number one. So God commands us to give him what's first, not because he's spoiled, not because he's throwing a tantrum, not because he wants you to live in poverty. No, he wants what's first because of who he is. He is God of gods, king of kings, Lord of lords, and he is the first and he deserves what's first. In theology, in theology, in the study of God, this is called the preeminence of God. And the word eminence, Means superiority, means the highest. And the preeminence means that God is before all, first of all, and above all. And because God is first, he cannot accept second or third or fourth or leftovers. You know, we can say that God is first in our lives. But the proof that God is first in our lives is when we, by faith, give to him what belongs to him. It's easy to say that we do. So you activate, when you activate your faith and you give to God what's first, he will bless you. Fourth, you fill this out in your outlines. To experience blessing, put God first by giving your tithe. Put God first by giving your tithe. I want to take a pause here. I'm sensing um, you're really quiet today. I always expect people to be quiet during these messages. And one of the reasons I know people are quiet is because I know money's a, a, a big issue. It's, it's a serious issue. You, you go to work for that. You make sacrifices for that. And uh, um, you, you're probably thinking most churches have a reputation of, of, of draining people of their money. Um, if you've been in Dayspring long enough, you know that is not true here. You know, we do not ask for money all the time. You know, we don't pressure you to give. But I do have to teach you to give. I've always told the church this when it comes to giving and tithing. I don't want something from you. I want something for you as your pastor. I want God's blessing for you. And if, if I stayed away from money not to offend you, I wouldn't be a good pastor. Because here's what I know. Most of us are struggling in our finances. 
one of the reasons we're struggling is because we haven't gotten this principle right. Yeah. And just to give you some peace, I don't set my salary. The church does pay my salary, but I don't set it. Don't think that I go to the offering and, and I say, okay, how much came in? All right, I'm going to take uh, 50%. Of I don't do that. That's not the way our church works. I don't even, the money that you give doesn't even run through my hands. We have godly people who help us count it and they keep record. And then our secretary doubles counts it so that there's accountability and everything is ran with honesty and accountability. And we have a council who are the ones who determine my salary. I don't get to determine myself. So I just want to give you some peace in case you're wondering, saying, oh, he just wants a raise. He's saying it's a good year because he's expecting us to give so that he could take more. Can I tell you something? When Lorena and I um, came into full-time ministry, we did it in faith. We took a huge pay cut. We took a huge pay cut. Because we loved and we believed that God was calling us to do this. And I'll tell you something. God has taken care of us. We, we don't. You're welcome to go ask our secretary how much I get paid. I got nothing to hide. We don't have any debt. We own our cars. We own what we own. We don't make payments for two reasons. We've been faithful in giving. This is a principle that my parents taught me from since I was small. My first job was um, working at an ice cream truck five days a week from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And I got paid $50 at the end of Saturday, six days a week. $50. I look back and I'm like, tell my parents, why didn't you do something, you know? And I remember I would get my $50, and here's what my parents taught me. You give to God what belongs to God. That's 10%. You support your house where you live. That means that I gave my parents money. And I did that to the very last weekend before I got married and moved out. Very different from what parents do today. They pay everything for their kids, although they're 29, 30-something years old. But, but that's a message for another day. It's a message for another day. I was 13 years old, and I was already contributing to the house. And then they taught me, believe it or not, and, and here's where I do have to call them out. They taught me to save, although they weren't good at saving. And once I did those things, then they said, okay, whatever you got left, you can spend it. And to today, that is the principle that I live by. I give, I save, I pay. And then I spend in that order. I give to God. I save for tomorrow. I pay what I owe. And then I live on the rest. Most people live the opposite direction. They spend. They pay some bills. And by then you don't have anything left. So you can't save and you can't give. But that's a message for another day. All right. Just wanted to give you some peace. Look at what Malachi 3.10 says. So you put God by giving your tithe. Bring all the tithe, right? Bring all the tithe. I always tell people, and this is a pastoral advice, okay? I always tell people, listen, if you're not tithing, start giving something. I get it. It takes a lot of faith to give 10%. Some of you, you make really good money. You're saying, man, pastor, you're asking me to give a lot. I get it. Start with some percentage, but don't stay there. Go all the way till you reach the 10%. 
One of our goals for me and my wife, we're always increasing what we give. Because here's what we've discovered. The more we give God, the more we can get out of our hands, the more God can put it in our hands. That's the way we see it. Okay? Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to what? Take it in. And look at what he says. Try it. Put me to the test. Nowhere else are you going to see God say, test me. This is the only area where God says, give. Give to me what is first. Give to me um, honorably. Give to me consistently. Give to me faithfully. Test me and you'll see how good and how faithful I am. So how do we put God first? By giving our tithe. We put God first by giving our tithe. Let me tell you something. How you spend your money shows what you place value in your life. You want to know what matters to you? Look at what you spend your money on. If you want to step into all that God has for you in terms of your finances, then you got to start giving to him what belongs to him. And he teaches us that 10% of what we get belongs to him. And by the way, I know some people are wondering, Pastor, is that net or gross? I'll just, I'll put it this way. You want God to bless you on your gross or your net? Or do you want God to bless you? That should answer it, right? Now, let me tell you something. There are two fundamental truths behind tithing. There are two fundamental things that are going on inside of us behind tithing. Two big questions that you got to answer. And whether you're giving or not, it really answers what you believe about them. The first question is, is God wise? Does God know what he's talking about? Is God wise? And second, do I trust what God says? Is God wise in asking me to give 10% of what he gives me? And if he is wise, then the second question I got to ask, well, do I trust him to do what he says he will do? When you tithe, you answer those questions. Now, the question now becomes, and I feel the need to talk about this, because the question is, well, where do I give my tithe? Right? Well, look at what Exodus 23, 19 says. Bring the best of your first fruits of your soil to what? To the house of the Lord your God. Is it good to give to charities, Pastor? Yes, Lorraine and I, we give to charities. Is it good to give to other ministries outside the church? Yes, it's good to give. Is it good to give to the Christian radio? Yes, it's good. But first, your tithe belongs to your church home. Where you worship, that is where the Bible tells us our tithe needs to go. You don't get to choose where you give your tithe. You can choose where you give the 90% that you get left. But the Bible says the 10% belongs to the house of the Lord. What's your home church? That's where you give. By the way, did you know everybody tithes? Just not to church. Some of you are tithing to Macy's and Amazon and the car dealership. Everybody tithes. I promise you, we didn't do this intentional. You know, our coincidences are God's 
miraculous work, right? We did not plan to give out the giving reports this Sunday. We did not. I know you probably think I mastermind this. I did not. Our secretary came to me and she said, Pastor, here's the giving reports. We got to pass these out as soon as possible. Thank you, Margarita. We'll get that going. Oh, awesome. Oh, by the way, we're also teaching about tithing. God must be up to something. You want to know how much God is first in your life? Go get your giving report. That'll tell you. Not to make you feel guilty, but as a reflection, as a way to, to, to know, right? So let me finish with this. What does God... Oh, I skipped a verse. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Look at what it says. On the first day of each week, you should... It, it, by the way, what's the first day of each week? Not Monday. Sunday, okay? Your first day of the work week is Monday, but not of your week. It's Sunday. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. And you may be saying, Pastor, it doesn't say 10% there. I know because Paul is hopeful that you're going to give more than 10%. He doesn't want to limit you to 10%. You can give more than 10%. On the first day of the week, you should each put aside. And let me tell you something about tithing. Unless you're intentional about it, you won't do it. Unless you say, you know, I'm going to consecrate this in the first, the top 10%. The first thing I do with my money is give to God. It'll become harder to do it. He says, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Let me finish with this really, really quick. And then Dan's going to get ready to come up here and dismiss us. What does God get out of tithing? What does God get out of tithing? Okay, we know what we get out. Our faith grows. We put God first in our life. And when we put God first, things line up. But what does God get out of tithing? Does God need my money? Does God need my savings? No. Can I tell you what God gets out of you tithing, out of me tithing? Here's what he gets. He gets worship. What God gets out of you and me tithing is not the money. It's our obedience and our trust. And when you trust and you obey God, you worship him. And let me tell you something. You worship, and I think they're going to put this up here on the screen so that it's visual as well. You worship what you find worth ship. What you find worth in, you will worship. And when we tithe, we say, God, you matter to me. God, you are first in my life. When we don't obey God, we are refusing to worship. Let me end with this quick testimony. Somebody called me this week from our church, and they shared with me how they were going through a really hard time. They hadn't paid their their rent in two months, and and, uh, they had lost their job. They had no savings. They didn't know how they were going to do Christmas. Uh, A lot of their bills were were on their last notice. And uh, this person told me, you know, Pastor, I told God, I go, God, if you give me $1,000, I'm going to give them back to you. And he says, and God gave me $1,000. I haven't paid my rent in two months. I got a bunch of bills I need to pay. And God gave me $1,000. And when I got those $1,000, I got tempted to pay some of the stuff and to maybe buy my kids some Christmas. Because after all, doesn't God want my kids to have a good Christmas? And he says, but you know what? I decided to keep my word. 
I decided that I made a promise to God. God kept his end of the bargain, so I was going to keep mine. He says, I went to church, and I gave those $1,000. And he told me this. He said, it hurt. But I was really trusting in God. The reason he called me this week is to tell me that and to tell me that he got a job where his old job, he was making really good money. In this new job, he asked for more than he was making in his old job. And when he asked for that amount, the person said, well, we're going to have to get back to you on that. They called him back that week and they said, hey, not only are we going to give you what you asked, but we're going to give you more. And he said, I believe that God is faithful. I believe that God is wise, and I believe that God can trust them. So the question is, can you trust them? Do you think God is wise? And do you want God to bless your life far beyond your finances? We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love, in Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.